0: This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows.
1: This week, Nightmare Cafe, episodes one and two. You believe in second chances? Hmm? It's human nature, isn't it? But for a second chance, would you face your worst nightmare? The very thing that frightens you most or drove you to the brink of disaster? Hmm? Or would you then see those good folks? Well, they're about to get a second chance. And you know what? I bet they blow it. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that is maybe an ironic punishment or something. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's
0: real, Jordan? That's that's pretty good. I like that because it, it does seem to be the feeling you have after watching this show. You're not quite sure what the point of it was.
1: Well, that's the, the new series we're covering this week is Nightmare Cafe, and I, I'm
0: assuming you knew very little about this going in. I knew a little bit, I think actually, just at some point, I came across this, I think because I was looking at Freddy Krueger stuff or something. And obviously, we'll find out very shortly that uh, Robert Englund and Wes Craven are both involved in this. And so yeah, it just seems like the sort of thing that came, made no uh, waves whatsoever, then left and everyone pretended it just didn't exist.
1: Well, I mean, as we're going to find out, it had six episodes, this this was dead on arrival. <laughs> yeah so yeah it, it's interesting uh, like you said west craven is the creator although there's a few other like co-creators credited and like people who developed it but uh i think Wes craven was the the at least the core element or the seed of it or maybe nbc
0: approached him wait you don't think his son who is the other uh major creator you don't think he was the uh <laughs> driving force between this he's not even credited as the creator he's credited as developed by with another person where i'm just like oh these were just make busy work for his son I saw that he's uh, he's been working for a long time, really has made nothing of note, and I won't get too far into this, but we were discussing before we started recording this, uh, Laura and I were talking, we are just talking about nepotism, and it's annoying sometimes, and this is clearly a, uh, nepotism happening here. But it doesn't always work out. It's like, this guy's clearly not talented at all. So, like, he, it, Wes Craven, keep putting him on projects. Like, if you look at his career, he's been making, like, Selena Gomez music videos.
1: Yeah, I think he's... he. I don't think this was his calling, necessarily. And, I mean, I don't know how much he even probably had to do with this show. I feel like this is more NBC came to Wes Craven and said, want to make a show? And he's like, I guess <laughs> I'd like some money. You
0: might not be wrong.
1: Because it does feel like... Robert Englund did it, and he's just like, ah, will you pay my friends some money, too, while they're at it? They're like, sure.
0: I'm like, all right. Yeah, and I do get the sense that even from the first episode to the second episode, we could talk a little quickly about the uh, the opening credits change. I have a feeling that this was really conceived, at least from the studio's perspective, as a horror show, but it's not really at all.
1: Well, I think there's a lot of that. Like, I mean, when you pitch this to me to watch it, you kind of been like, oh, we haven't done an anthology show before. And I was like, oh, that's cool. We could do an anthology show. And this isn't even an anthology show, it turns out.
0: I did read a little thing that this was pitched as an anthology show, and then Wes Craven was like, meh, I think I'll just keep the same characters.
1: Yeah, it was just, like, abandoned very early on. So, it's yeah, it's not even that. It's, mm-hmm. So, it's, it's quite an odd little duck, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it aired on NBC january 29th 1992 to april 3rd 1992 so not a terribly long run obviously Mm -hmm. and uh before we get into it jordan do you want to get a sense of what was happening in the world around that time
0: well uh, you and i were both in the fifth grade Oh yeah i guess that'd be true right you were taking a lot of those uh those i remember those little wristband things you slap on your wrist and they go around your wrist oh slappers yeah you you were playing with that i was i was playing with some devil sticks or whatever I those things <laughs> i never played with them i always wanted to though i had one friend and he like for the one week that they were popular he really lorded it over everyone well
1: uh, just after the show started on february 1st the cold war was finally declared over formally declared over by bush and yeltsin mm-hmm. february 8th the 92 winter olympics in albertville france started wasn't it barcelona in 92 but not according to wikipedia yeah all right wikipedia it says it said albertville france was the winter olympics but maybe i misread i thought it was barcelona but whatever uh, february 17th jeffrey dahmer sentenced to life in
0: prison uh was he your favorite serial killer you love to know everyone's favorite <laughs> serial killer as if that's a thing people have i've weirdly i have asked that for people before and you always get the same response of somewhat disgusted
1: yeah you're you're kind of a creep when you
0: ask that <laughs> Like, it's it's an interesting topic, isn't it? I don't mean, like, the person you want to hang out with. But I mean, you, you're most interested in their back history. <laughs> um. Well, uh,
1: viewer, listeners, write into Jordan. And let me know who your favorite serial killer is. <laughs> he's dying to know.
0: I'm dying to know, yeah. We'll send you his home address after you tell him. There should have been some pun there, like, he's dying to know. and then And then the camera pans away from me and there's a serial killer behind me. You know what I mean?
1: Right or Robert England as Blackie, the character from the show, <laughs> giving a little just, wink, just, just a little wink with cards in his hand. Um, and then here's a little here's a little space thing for us. March 22nd, the space shuttle Atlantis launched with instruments to start studying global warming.
0: Mm. And they discovered it was uh, a hoax
1: immediately. Yeah, they're like, this isn't
0: real. <laughs> Everything's quite all right.
1: They're like, the Earth is flat.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's
1: a little treat for us, Jordan. What's that? on march uh, 5th so two days af- or sorry april 5th two days after the show stopped airing guess what started
0: uh 92 oh what was that show uh uh with the robot woman and the and the cop detective
1: yep you're right it's man and machine starts man and machine. later
0: that's what it was also that same night was steel justice steel justice too what a time for really bad television <laughs> It was a rough. It was a rough go that started ninety two. Wow, ninety two. Also, um, we'll talk about this. I'm sure as we go. But the files that we're watching of the one person who's uploaded for the show has kept in all the commercials. It's true. And so, getting to watch this, it's a real weird nostalgic trip to see. Uh, just how crappy these products seem. Every car, I'm like, I don't want to buy this car. It looks terrible. I have extensive notes on all the commercials, which I'll talk about later. Oh, great! That's
1: that's what everyone wants. Extensive notes on commercials. I am more interested in them than this fucking show. <laughs> it is true. All right, let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Here's the IMDb summary for episode one, Nightmare Cafe. Frank Nolan and Faye Peronovic. Pervon- <laughs> find themselves mysteriously drawn to an all-night cafe following a surreal brush with death. And that was courtesy of Michael
0: Hoffman. That's pretty close. I mean, it's vague. It teases you. You think, hmm, interesting. I want to know more. It's,
1: it does. I mean, I think he's done a good job summarizing the the, the, the idea of this show. Because if you ask me to summarize this, oof, it's a hard
0: one to summarize this pile. Yeah, I would say there's a cafe. The rules are ambiguous at best. Might take place in heaven or hell. Might not. And uh, stuff happens. Oh, doorways open to space. (laughs) Magic door. It's very magical. That's for
1: sure. There's a lot of magic. Yeah. There was even like a weird precap that happened beforehand to kind of get you excited for the series. Yeah. And like, all I wrote was like, oh, this looks like it's going to (laughs) suck.
0: Well, they, they really do play off. Even the first episode, I got the sense, oh, this is like a hip new Twilight Zone. And in some ways, if you squint hard enough, it kind of is and it's funny and there's elements of what made friday 13th interesting
1: in it like these sort of dreamy logic weird things but even those are too few and far between to really like have any sort of impact so it, it does it does end up being a lot of characters talking yeah anyway well it kind of all starts off on a spooky foggy night on an industrial waterfront of some city we see our lead uh, Faye Pronovic. She's crying and standing on the side of the dock, getting ready to commit suicide. And it's misty. It's very, very misty. It's going to always be very foggy. You're always going to be on this industrial wharf for some reason. Yeah. She leaps to her death into the water when our other lead character, Frank Novak, is mysteriously night swimming through the water toward her.
0: Yeah. She uh, gets out of her car. She seems very uh, despondent. She jumps into the water, seemingly to kill herself. And uh, then there's a guy just very casually like, backstroking in what seems like quite dangerous, very cold waters. Like this is not Miami. This is Maine or somewhere that's much, much colder. I mean, it's actually shot in Vancouver. So I was just like, these actors must be dying in that water. Yeah. So, but anyways, they both jump in. He tries to save her, but can't really find her. So he just scubs back on shore and then she's already on shore. They both swam up somehow.
1: And as soon as they, she, they get back up, He's just like, hey, you're really pretty. You want to flirt a little bit? You want to go grab a coffee at this diner?
0: Yeah. And I think for what we see in the next two episodes, that's his core personality trait. He loves women. He uh, loves hitting on women. And more specifically, he loves hitting on women if they've just gone through a trauma. (laughs) You are 100% correct about that in these two episodes. That's his sweet spot, you know? He's like, did you just get hit by your ex-boyfriend? Well, I'm a shoulder to cry on. And also, while you're down there.
1: On this seemingly abandoned warp front, there just happens to be an all-night cafe, as it's called? Or as we'll see in the credits when when
0: their neon lights go out, (laughs) the Nightmare Cafe? Yeah, it doesn't even quite make sense because I'm like, hold on. So if the sign was all lit up, it just says All Nightmare Cafe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know it does feel like it's supposed to burn out a few letters and you're going to read it, but they have to
0: add mirror to it. So yeah, it just doesn't work at all. I'll give this to the show. I do kind of like the idea of it being this weird, mysterious place that's really, really off the beaten path. Like, why would you ever put a cafe seemingly at the end of a dock where no one would go? Yeah, that's cool. That at least works. And, And it plays into the sort of uh, sort of mystical, magical, mysterious elements of the cafe.
1: It's very, yeah, it's got a very Twilight Zone feel that this cafe exists wherever it needs to. Yeah. But as they as they enter the cafe to grab that cup of coffee, who should step out from the shadows but Freddy Krueger himself?
0: <laughs> yeah, but he called... He, his name is Blackie in this show, right? Robert Eglin? Yeah, his name is Blackie, which we don't even learn, I don't think, in the first...
1: Maybe the end of the first episode. And he proceeds to talk directly to the camera and us the
0: audience. Yeah, it's a very... uh. I know other shows have done it, but actually reminded me more of like uh, the way it shot and with the mist and the fog and everything. It seemed like the opening to an Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. You know what I mean? But it's like as if Robert Stack was actually in the reenactments. That's the only real difference here. But it's weird. And I still don't even know what his character is. He's he's an imp. That's what he is, right? He's a little bit of a troublemaker. He's a real puck character, right? He's
1: constantly like winking to camera at us whenever anyone says anything that you're like. Isn't that ironic? He, he'll look right down to the camera lens and wink at us. And you're like, oh, OK, I guess so. And he seems to have very little actual role within any individual plot, almost none at all. So it's he's such an odd character. He's just kind of there. And I bet you we barely talk about him.
0: He's actually more involved in this first episode than the second episode. I thought he was just going to be a sort of um, talking to the camera filling in the blanks of the story sort of thing. You know, like setting the mood. I didn't realize he was actually going to interact with the characters. But again, you're right. Like most of the time he's just sitting in the cafe, like eating or playing with cards or reading the newspaper.
1: Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, even in his opening part, he he like looks at the camera and says, hey, you, you believe in second chances? Uh, well, when you come to their cafe, you got to face your worst fears. Maybe you'll get a second chance or something.
0: Yeah, he he's really mugging it for the camera at all times, but I don't really know why, but he is. And he's supposed to be like, kind
1: of like devilish because he's just like would you bet on those two to have a second chance work out for them
0: i wouldn't and you're like uh, okay so should i keep watching
1: sure <laughs> sure okay <laughs> um the the it, all night cafe itself is like when they go inside it's like a 50 style diner completely deserted like it's just kind of very classic very like place you go get a uh patty melt or
0: something i like the look of the diner it does look, have that um it's evocative of that sort of like 1950s diner, you know, where you get a nice slice of pie and, uh, and a not very good cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, uh, there's no one there. So they start just helping themselves to
0: coffee and chicken soup that happens to be on the stove and to, to warm themselves up. Didn't, didn't you think maybe they that happened a little too fast? Like, let's say you and I, we've gone driving, we're tired, we somehow end up at the end of a end of a wharf in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. We go into the place. There's no one there. Would you just start serving yourself soup? No, I would. I would just leave.
1: I would almost certainly leave. But
0: I know obviously these characters need to, but like of all the sort of uh, mental leaps of logic you need to make in this show, it was just one of those things. I was like, guys, you didn't try very hard for these characters. They're just like, hey, we're at a cafe. And she's like, I guess I'll put on this cafe outfit. And he's like, yeah, I guess I'll just start serving. I'm like, what?
1: She says she's a waitress, so it's pretty easy for her to do. Yeah.
0: And then she just puts on the waitress outfit. She's like, it was like it was made for me. Da, da, da.
1: Yes, uh, Frank puts on the chef outfit, and they're, they're really, he's really trying to flirt up with her. He, he tells her that Faye means beautiful in Tahitian, which may or may not be true.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't look it up, but I'm going to assume he doesn't know.
1: But did you catch what uh, ugly was in Tahitian, which he also knows? <laughs> no, what did he say? He says it's yaf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, of course it is. Which, Jordan, because I had to write all this information down, Yeah. that's how I realized the show is so deep. Oh, really? Why? What does that actually mean? Yaff is Fay backwards. Oh, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> so if Faye is beautiful, Yaff is ugly. And I was just like, this show works on so many levels. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: I mean, look, uh, I think Wes Craven wrote this uh, in, in between other projects, you know?
1: I was thinking about it. I'm just like... How few people must have watched this show and like anything stuck with them for that one gag. I had to write it down to even like figure out that it was a joke. Right. I must be one of
0: a handful of people who've ever put that together. Uh, Oh, I think you're probably the only person of the five people who've seen this other than you and I. Just me and Wes (laughs) Craven. Didn't you think at this point that the plot of the episode or at least what they were going to find out was that this is sort of like a time loop and they're all they've always been working at the cafe that's what i thought this was going to be at this point like it's going to go all cyclical and you'll find out they both left the cafe originally and that and they no matter what they do they always kind of come back but that's not really what this episode is
1: i could see i could see that like i definitely had thoughts i'm like oh like there's no one working here they work here maybe we're going to find out like this. Is, uh you know a hell they're trapped at a groundhog's day or something yeah um, but, and I mean, there is a time loop element, but it's not quite what, but that's not what no, it is. No, no,
0: not, not really.
1: Um, did you also like his, uh, little joke about how he lived in Alaska and, uh, lived on a, uh, lived on an iceberg and was married to a penguin?
0: And he not only does he do it once, he does it twice.
1: It's, it's very funny because the fir- first time he does it, Faye's just like, I've heard that before. And he's like, that's impossible. I just made it up. And we're supposed to be like, oh, what does that mean?
0: Well, uh, my thought was, though, that was the joke you made up. Like, it's just, it's
1: a terrible joke. It was very funny. These the sort of like weird, like hints at a mystery to come really reminded me of the after. It was just like, I've heard that before. And I'm like, there's no way this payoff's going to be any good. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, as you mentioned, they kind of get dressed in these uniforms as we sort of see them like take their place in the cafe. And Faye excuses herself to change in the ladies room because, you know, she has to take off her wet clothes and put in her new clothes. And um, Frank helps himself some some soup and he flips on the TV to see what's on the news while he eats it. And uh, on the TV is a feed from the bathroom where he gets to watch Faye stripping.
0: And I'll I'll give him at least credit on this. He only watches for a, a few seconds for turning off the TV.
1: I did think I'm like he wasn't too sleazy, but I was also just like. He also doesn't immediately tell her. He's like, hey, stop doing that in there. There's a secret camera in there. And when she actually leaves the bathroom, he's just like, hey, did you notice a hidden camera in there? I'm
0: like, Frank, it wouldn't be hidden if she noticed it. At no point did she look at the camera. But we were given the idea that something weird is happening in this cafe. As I mean,
1: and while she's in there changing, uh, she happens to hear some crying from behind the mirror. And when she slides the mirror open like a, a bathroom mirror would work, uh, it's herself. In her bathroom at home, crying. It
0: is weird because you're right. <laughs> the mirror in the bathroom is not like any public mirror you would ever have. It's a vanity mirror, so it's like, why would they have that in the diner? But the reason is because they need a mirror to slide. And I didn't even realize it was her at first in the mirror. I was like, hey, look, she can see, she sees another woman, but her hair is different, so I couldn't tell. But anyways, yeah, she sees herself crying. So we've had two instances that something weird is happening here. You the the, yeah, t- the cafe is weird. The TV has, as we'll learn can look onto many different things and also apparently the mirror can too
1: yeah and uh speaking of the tv
0: as they come out
1: frank frank mentions he's like hey well you're in there i saw you on the tv in your underwear and she's just like prove it what kind of underwear am i wearing she's like and he's like uh white with a red heart on the butt and she's like damn it you did see me that's it
0: it was weird why did you think he was lying (laughs) i don't know i mean weirdly his character i'm not saying i like his character he's a real dirtbag but I know who his character is. After two episodes, I still don't quite know who Faye is.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say. They flip back on the TV to see if he can show them this hidden bathroom camera, but what's on the TV
0: now is Frank's life. What we start seeing here is that not only does this show you different parts, but it also can show you things that apparently happened in the past, but then also we're going to find out the characters can replace themselves in the past and just appear to places in the future I don't know why, what the rules are, they don't seem consistent yet, but... The rules are very inconsistent,
1: but right now, yeah, it's just like, they turn the TV, they get to see Frank earlier that evening, and Frank is like, oh no, I don't want to watch this, this is when I faced my worst nightmare,
0: being a chicken. You thought it was going to be something much bigger, but really what it was, was he's working at this chemical plant, he finds out they're doing something sketchy, I think maybe polluting or something like that, and instead of uh, calling the authorities or, or doing something about it, he just kind of looks the other way because he wants his security job. I was like, that's the worst yeah. thing that's ever happened? I mean, yeah, it's it's not the the moral high ground you'd have liked to take in, but it's not like he murdered someone or uh, did some horrible, dastardly deed. He just is like, he's just a dude who has, doesn't have a very good, high-paying job. He doesn't want to lose it.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, I this is kind of where we get the sense of what the engine of this TV show is going to be. And that engine is, we the viewer are going to watch characters, watch a TV, and comment on the action happening on that TV.
0: It is weird because that's exactly what happens. Every time you cut back to the TV, it's either them going like, oh no, I wish that wasn't happening, or like, uh, oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, oh, okay, we don't, I don't need to see this. Watching someone watch TV is very, very not interesting. Uninteresting.
1: It's it's a strange choice, that's for sure. Yeah. But yes, as they watch the TV, Frank at his night watchman job. Did you get the name of the place? Oh, I don't think I did. No, it's Galaxy Toxic Storage. <laughs> you worked there for a bit in the '90s, didn't you? Yeah, we had those big. They have those big vats of bubbling toxic waste. They just stir with a big stick. You just what? You walk by all the time. You're like, that seems legit to me. And like his job just seems to be to work there at night to watch them dump the toxic waste into the river. And. While they're watching it, Faye's just like, I bet I bet you'll stand up to them. I bet you'll like tell them not to dump toxic waste. And he's like, I'm telling you, this happened earlier tonight. I did not. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't happen. But suddenly, he does start standing up to them.
0: Yeah, and he's sort of blown away because now he's watching essentially a memory, but it's not an accurate memory. It's, it's what happens if he did make the stand.
1: Yeah, and... He kind of disappears at some point from the cafe into the TV as if he himself leaves there and rejoins his body in the
0: past, but now in an alternative timeline in the past. There's another interesting thing about this because we're going to see this a lot. And and in this episode, I think even more than the next episode, people are going to pop in and out of the TV characters playing themselves and coming back to the cafe and then going out another door and appearing somewhere else. It's not quite clear if they can control it or not. The, the assumption I got is that the cafe itself is a somewhat conscious entity that is making these decisions, but it does seem like sometimes they can control where they want to go, if it serves the plot. It is definitely like a
1: mixed bag. It's, it, it does mostly feel like the cafe is in charge, but occasionally it seems like they can exact some sort of control over it. But, you know, in this new timeline, he he stands up to his boss and uh, gets in a fight with physical fight like literally a punch out fight with the goons at the job site trying to stop them from like dumping toxic waste ends up getting knocked in the back of the head by his boss with and like knocked unconscious and the goons are like, well, I guess we should kill him so he doesn't rat us out and the boss is just like, not yet. I want you to for I want you to force him to watch you watch you dump toxic waste into the water. And then I want you to kill him.
0: Yeah, it was it was a weird, um, overly complicated revenge for someone who really shouldn't have appeared on their radar at all. It's just like, oh, this guy got in our way, just kill him. If they're that evil, but it's like this weird, no, no, we're going to make him pay for his sins.
1: Make him watch first, and then you
0: kill him. Yeah, it's like, uh, okay, sure. Which obviously doesn't go well.
1: Yeah, they drive out to where they're going to dump toxic waste. They go to open the trunk to pull him out, and he's got a tire iron, he's awake, and he like smashes that one bald security uh, goon in the head yeah. and that guy just has a bloody mark on his forehead for the rest of the show
0: yeah i i do like that that's one of the the things that uh whoever was deciding makeup i suppose they were really doing their job in keeping consistency more so than the actual plot of the show it's just like guys we need to track this this welt on this guy's head that's the most important thing <laughs> they really do Pe- people are opening doors and, and entering universes and Being in a TV and not in a TV and it's the past, it's the future. But don't worry, that welt in the guy's head, it's in the exact same spot for the entire episode.
1: So Frank gets a jump on them, runs off like he's gonna escape being killed, and like climbs into a semi-truck and like I guess the keys are in it. Like I guess that they drove the semi-truck there too. He's trying to start it, and they're like shooting at him in the truck, and then until finally the bald guy's like, wait a minute, and he stops his like other goonies like, watch this. And he just shoots once at the tanker behind them. And it's, like, a
0: massive explosion. Yeah, he just blows him up. Seemingly kills Frank. And I think we, at that point we go to commercial, don't we?
1: Yeah, that's basically it. We're basically left with, like, Frank, I guess, dying again in an explosion, even though he tried to do the right thing. Still explodes because the toxic waste tanker they shot was also highly explosive.
0: We cut back to the, uh, the cafe where Faye is watching all this. And she's, like, she can't believe what she sees. She goes to the kitchen... And to do some dishes, I guess. Well, she's clearing Frank's plates because he's dead now, so he doesn't need this food anymore. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even realize that. That's funny. So she goes back to the to the sink and it's all bubbly for some reason. It's full of water. <laughs> and, and Frank pops out of the water. And he says, I believe he says, Miss Me. <laughs>
1: yeah. He whatever happened to him, he he pops out of the water like some sort of weird dream, reaches down his shirt, pulls out a crab. Yeah. Like, that wasn't even, uh, it's not even a joke. He actually, like, reaches into his shirt and has a crab inside of it.
0: So here's what I thought we had learned at this point, and maybe this is the case, but again, I don't know if the rules will be consistent throughout this show. It seems like the characters can apparently go into their past as a way to adjust their decisions. However, are there any stakes if they can die in said dream world if they just pop back at the cafe? It's
1: a good question, and I don't know. And it is the thing, like, they go back into their old bodies, but they don't retain the memories they got while they're at the cafe. They're kind of, like, back on the path. They just, like, seem to be slightly, like, they don't remember they were in that cafe. They don't remember they wanted to do something
0: differently. They just kind of are able to do something differently. I guess I didn't really think about it that way. Are they, did they lose all conscious, like, conscious memory of the cafe, you think? I think so,
1: because what happens now is Frank's, uh, now that Frank's lived his second chance, In whatever capacity, he like grabs Faye. He's like, "It's your turn," and forces her back into the ladies' room, which she does not want to do. She's telling him, "I don't want this." He throws open that mirror so he can, so she can look at herself again. I guess. Like he's just like, "Let's go look at you in your bathroom getting ready for a date." Apparently. Yeah. And when they throw open that mirror, it's not Faye behind the mirror. Who is it? It's
0: those two goons. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He opens the mirror, and it's the two guys, and they can somehow see them.
1: So from their perspective, in the middle of this empty wharf, a portal has opened. Yeah. They see the man. They just exploded, looking back at them. And then they slam the mirror, and they're like, uh-oh, we better get out of here. Faye has Frank run to the door to exit the cafe. She opens it, and the door opens Onto the water of the war. He like falls off a dock when he steps at the door. Yeah. She shuts the door.
0: Yeah. I thought at this point, the point was they can never leave the cafe. So unless they're going to relive their past or that sort of thing, I thought, Oh, this is what it's saying. No matter what they do, they're never getting out of this cafe. It's a sort of uh, uh, uh limbo of, of sorts.
1: Right. Except once he falls off, like she shuts the door. He's out of the cafe now. The front door of the cafe opens. The two goons who just saw them through the mirror run in and they were like, Hey, Faye, lady, did you see a man all wet in here? And she's just like, He's in the ladies' room. They run into the ladies' room. They step through that door. And this time they step onto a live firing
0: range for the fifth annual police turkey shoot. They see a weird dimension. They go, That's weird. They somehow know there's a cafe. They go into the cafe are told to go into a bathroom, they go into a bathroom, they're into another dimension, and they're going to get shot out by these police, so they just run out scared.
1: Yeah, the police open fire, they run back through the door at the end of the firing range, which I have no idea what that door is about, and just run out the door, they're like, it's it's like a Looney's car- Looney Tunes cartoon broke yeah. out in the middle, and I couldn't figure out what was happening.
0: And I think these are some of the things that, I'm going to assume these are going to be retconned out in later episodes. I don't think... The cafe is going to act in the same way of having other people be able to interact with it in the way they show it in this. I think this was just like, you're right. This was a Looney Tunes sort of slapstick joke that they thought would be really funny. Like, wouldn't it be funny if the criminals ran into police officers? But it, I, I don't think it holds water with what they're trying to get across at this actual cafe. Yeah.
1: They basically... Dr- sh- they're driven off. And when it's all over, Faye's just like, wow, I can't believe I did that all with my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, so apparently
0: Faye controlled all of that somehow. Well, can, can I just stop you real quick? Here's what I found researching what apparently over the six episodes, here are what the cafe's powers are. Now, I don't know if it's consistent with this episode, but here's what the cafe apparently do. It can transport itself from place to place. We haven't seen that yet. It can create uh, portals between itself and various locations. The portals are not restricted to Earth. In this, it says, they can be outer space or heaven. (laughs) Uh, Also has the ability to make both idle and heartfelt wishes come true. In brackets, the cafe seems to take a perverse delight in misinterpreting such wishes. So those are the rules of what the cafe can do. It's uh, not only in a location, but it's also um, a character and a sort of a plot catalyst. For sure. I mean... And even those three rules are very loosely followed. Yeah, I, I think they've kept them as, as general as possible so that you can do anything. You can have a Looney Tunes uh, kind of gag like this, or you can, I don't know, have it a little bit more scary or something.
1: Anyway, now this amendment to Frank's story is over. Frank re-enters the cafe, and this time they really do get into phase second chance. They like flip on the TV. We get a close-up of phase butt in panties with the little red heart on it a nice titillating
0: shot for no apparent reason well uh, compared to the second episode though this this one's pretty tame i do like though that that that's the way we connected that it's her because we've already we've already found out what kind of underwear she wears so when i see that underwear i'm like oh that's clearly phase underwear
1: there's no other way you couldn't show her face you'd never remember it's a time
0: saver <laughs>
1: um basically they're watching her get ready for a date and and they're like oh no i don't want to go on that date again and she vanishes into the tv so she goes back in time to that period of time and this is the first this is like halfway through the episode Mm -hmm. finally the character blackie walks into the cafe and joins the plot sort of
0: yeah and i was surprised because again i thought he was just sort of going to be a separate entity talking to the audience but he becomes a regular character at this point. He's clearly in cahoots with the cafe, but to what extent, I don't know, because he's sometimes just watching the action, but also sometimes, in some ways, affecting the action.
1: Yeah. So, we basically follow Faye now, and she doesn't remember anything about the cafe. Like, this is it. Like, she has no recollection of what's happened to her thus far. She seems to be mm-hmm. back in time at the point she was late early this evening. She's going on a
0: date with Frank's boss from the toxic waste plant who knocked him out. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to give this to the show. Of a way of connecting the two plot lines, I didn't think it was so bad. I think the two plot lines work in enough a way that they're, I thought that was believable enough. Like, how are these two people are kind of connected in a way they didn't know? I was like, all right, I'll, I'll buy it. Yeah, it intersected them in an okay way. I don't disagree. She
1: She's calling him up to be like, hey, I'm coming over soon. Can't wait to hear it. Can't wait to see you get to his answering machine and his answering machine message is a very specifically customized message to her about how he's going to see her later tonight. Like it was so
0: particular. I was just like, who would record that answering machine? message?" I, I agree. I actually thought it was a weird editing thing. Cause I didn't realize it was the-, the machine. I thought, Oh, he's answered the phone. Cause that's what it sounds like. But then they would keep cutting to <laughs> him having sex with this woman, which by the way, he doesn't speed up things at all. If if you're having uh seemingly your girlfriend come over and you're also having an affair, you think you'd be like, Alright, let's let's uh let's cut to the main action here, you know what I mean? But he's like, No, no, I take my time.
1: Well, and they like that's the thing, like he's doing that and can clearly hear the message being recorded by him.
0: Yeah, he knows she's coming. She's on her way. And he's like, Nit, we're gonna we're gonna take this nice and slow. Uh and and Frank
1: is quite upset. He wants to help Faye out, he wants to stop her from going on a date with his old boss. And he's like beside himself and, Fr- and Blackie's there now. And Blackie's like playing with cards, trying to like make him like play a game of, I don't know, cribbage with him or something. And Blackie's just like, yeah, nothing you can do to help though. They can't hear you on the TV. You're stuck here. And Frank wishes he
0: could be there for her. And then he is, he appears in the TV and old Blackie's like, oh, I can't believe it. He figured it out so fast. Yeah. Figured out what?
1: I I don't know. He just did. Apparently when you make a wish in the cafe that the cafe,
0: like, uh, grants it? I think you're exactly right. If you make a wish in the cafe, it will grant it, but it grants it depending on on its own whims. So you might say, like, oh, I wish I was the biggest man in the world, uh, meaning, like, your muscles or something, and it's going to make you 8,000 feet tall, you know? That's sort of, that's the worst example ever, but I think you get the point.
1: This is the spec script you're working
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on episode seven
1: right now. Uh, so now Frank is back in time. He's hitchhiking. He's on the side of the road. Faye pulls over on her way to her date to pick him up. And while they're kind of chatting hmm. on the side of the road, the toxic waste goons drive by and see the both of them. They're like, hey, there's that guy we just chased into a cafe or not. And we just exploded or not. Uh Let's get in a car chase.
0: Yeah. And, and this is where the show does it. It's not one of its strengths. Because again, I didn't think it was such a stretch of how these two people are connected without knowing it. But this sort of thing that no matter where they go, the the gangster guys are, is just like, okay, sure, in this whole city. But yes, it's an excuse for them to start shooting and have a car chase, which ends with her playing chicken with them driving backwards.
1: Yeah, they veer off,
0: crash off the wharfs and into the water, and they're saved once more. And then I like that just after this, like, they've had this clearly very scary traumatic thing happened with people shooting and car chases they just have like a casual conversation this is where he starts doing his penguin joke again yeah
1: he does the penguin joke but this time it's the first time she's heard it yeah (laughs) thank god (laughs) (laughs) yeah but basically it all kind of ends when frank accidentally says her name he's like well Faye, i'm glad i'm here to talk to you and she's like i never told you my name and she just like tosses
0: him out of the car inside she's gonna go back to driving to her date she's freaked out he seems like a weirdo she's like screw it I don't care what you say. I'm going on the date. So she does. And at this point, by the way, I thought she had a pizza with her. (laughs) Didn't it look like a box of pizza?
1: I I hadn't. I honestly didn't even notice it till she got to the house. Because yeah, Frank's kicked out of the car, which causes him to be booted back to the cafe to watch the remainder of this on the
0: TV. It's like a video game. He like did the wrong thing. It like sent him out or something.
1: So she gets to the toxic waste boss's office or house to go on this date. He's not answering his door, his doorbell, because he's obviously very busy. And she's about to leave and give up on the date. And Blackie from in the cafe, Blackie's like, well, that won't work. So he appears in her second chance with a key and a British accent to unlock the door for her to his apartment. Yeah, I, I couldn't follow what was happening there.
0: I think we, we did not mention that him i think it's like a dollar bet but uh, uh blackie and frank have a bet that she'll do the right thing this time and the right thing in this situation being she's not going to go on a date because that's clearly the crux of what he's a bad uh, man yeah he's a bad man and that's what started her to possibly killing herself so but then it's like he also goes in and changes stuff like blackie goes into the world and changes stuff. I'm like but i couldn't tell if it was for the better or worse or he just to continue the story like it just was like okay sure and also the first
1: time around when she went there, was did she also not get in? Because it was locked. That's yeah, true. I never thought about that. <laughs> I don't know. At any rate, she gets into the apartment. The boss comes out. He's like shirtless. He's like, hey, you're here for a date. And she's like, yep. And it's your birthday. And I knitted you this sweater.
0: Yeah. And the whole time it's very clear. They're in the middle of having sex. And it takes like two seconds for the woman to come out. And I love it. That... She's heard the message too. She knows it's the girlfriend. She comes down and she's like, is that the maid? Well, that's what, that's what I understand. It didn't seem like this was the girlfriend. It seemed like this was their first date. Maybe, maybe. Because
1: none of it made sense. Because this other one comes down and she's like, oh, is this your maid? Because his house is filthy. It's just like covered in junk. He starts <laughs> making out with Faye at some point, And she looks down and she's like, oh, what's this on the table from Galaxy Toxic Waste?" She's like, oh, that's just a file from my business. Cut back to the cafe. Frank's like, "Hey, that file contains all of the illegal dumping they've ever done. She should take it." Yeah, it it all starts working out. She can't hear this, but basically, she sees this woman. <laughs> I I really like that when the woman comes out and says, "Hey, is is that woman your cleaning lady?" The Boston toxic waste plant's like, "Yep, she is. Go back to bed."
0: <laughs> yeah, he doesn't he doesn't try a uh, smoothing things over or make an excuse. He's just like, "Yeah, that's right. Anyway." That's why I feel like it was the first day. <laughs> Maybe. Anyways, she gets upset. She takes the file with her. Leaves. She doesn't know what's inside of it, but no, she does. she just does. Takes the file, and on the way out, and she gets into the elevator, old uh, welt in his head happens to be walking by, and he sees her. And he's
1: just like, hey, that lady looks familiar from, like, the time I chased her in my car. He goes in and talks to the boss, who I guess the boss is now just having people come over all the, whenever. Yeah. And they're like, hey, that lady, I think I saw her earlier tonight. Did she take anything? And the boss in his filthy apartment looks around and says, hey, my file with all my secret toxic waste dumping is gone. Like, I don't know how he noticed it was missing, but he's just like, I need to go get her or
0: something. And that's it. And now you have they're after both of them.
1: So we basically cut back to Faye on that dock getting ready to kill herself again because of the bad night she's had. And then while she's standing there, she seems to, like, come out of a trance and say, what am I doing here? Her realization is basically, she says, I don't have to kill myself because some guy dumped me. I'm as good
0: as anyone. Yeah. Here's my question for you. I'm assuming everything up to that point had been exactly the same and the only decision change she made, whereas, like, Frank, his decision was, this time I'm going to tell them I'm going to rat them out about... uh, Uh, the the sewage that they're dumping, hers was, I'm not going to kill myself. Am I wrong? No, that's, I think that's 100% it. That is the
1: change in her second chance. Right. Because Frank is watching her on the TV walk up to the dock about to kill herself. He's like, I can't let this happen again. He beelines out of the cafe because the cafe is next to the dock. Yeah. Goes up to her. She's already had this realization. She's like, hey, it's you, the guy I think I now remember from the cafe or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Toxic Waste boss pulls up in his car because he knows exactly where she's gone with his file. He drives at them. They're both forced off the side of the dock into the water. And, like, they're splashing around. She's like, it's happening again. I can't swim. And Frank tells her, don't worry about it. We're already dead. Yeah. And
0: they wake up in the cafe.
1: Blackie and Frank together kind of explain... I guess the premise of what's happening, they both got a second chance to do the right thing around the second time around. So they both did. And now they're going to get to be alive again, sort of if they work in the cafe and now anyone who enters the cafe, they're going to help either punish or reward and there's going to be good people, bad people, dead people, alive people. They're all going to come wandering to this cafe. This is
0: what we get told. And they ask uh, old Blackie who he is. And he's just sort of like vague. He's like, oh, you know, no one in particular.
1: <laughs> well, he's just like, I guess you were picked by a higher authority. Like, he really implies he's like, I'm the devil.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, it, anyways, they leave it vague. And just before you think it's the end of the episode, old big bad boss, uh, chemical plant boyfriend guy comes into the cafe.
1: Doesn't recognize
0: them. But he comes in and uh, uh, sees them on the TV, which is now it's it's back to looking into the washroom. He goes into the washroom to get them and doesn't see them. So for some reason, he also opens the mirror and <laughs> I don't know what this is. He, he looks in and it's a weird mystical courtroom that both Faye and Frank are in. And it's it's like German expressionism. That's yeah. what
1: it's like. It's like Nosferatu style like set. Yeah.
0: And they're basically like he's guilty of of stuff. And then they grab him through the mirror. He runs out of the room, out of the uh, uh, cafe and falls into his own chemical waste.
1: Yes. Well, he falls into his own chemical waste because he runs out screaming after he sees himself on trial for dumping chemical waste. Yeah. Which is, he says, his worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah is to be put on trial for his crimes he falls like yeah he falls stories and stories down like it's like batman the first batman movie he falls into a huge vat of chemical waste Mm -hmm. and then he wakes up with a start and he's in prison
0: for dumping toxic waste now yeah so he was looking at the future where apparently they were all at court for some reason well here's my question did any of that happen like is
1: any of that i don't understand like did that happen to him? It's not Is clear. Is he just outside? Is this just a nightmare he's having? It's all very unclear. But essentially, they're like, we get this denouement where they get to take revenge on the guy who hurt them both?
0: I was a little disappointed with how it ended. A little disappointed. Because other than that, other than the ending, it was great. But um, didn't you think that the, the topic, or at least the theme, was going to be the idea of predestination versus free choice? Now that's been done to death a million times, I'm sure. But I'm sure there's another interesting take they could have had on that. And it feels like they almost wanted to do that. But it's not really what this is, because it's not the idea that it never clarifies its rules. It's not like both of them got a chance to do something different, but they ended up in the same place. Anyways, there's an interesting idea there, this idea that no matter what you do, you are destined to have this result. And they kind of play with that, and they kind of play with the idea that it's magic or whatever. But in the end, they kind of just don't want to land on anything. So you're just going, "Wait a minute, was that the future? Are they dead? Is this uh, heaven? Is this hell? Or is uh, what's his face the devil? Or is this the past? Or it just doesn't really make a lot of
1: sense." That was, yeah, that was the thing I was trying to figure out too. Is I was just like, so when they got the second chance is that now the real thing that happened and they still ended up dying in the end? Or is that second chance just all fiction and they still just died as the cowards they were originally? Like, I was just like, what, is anything affecting anything? Does any of this
0: matter? Well, and actually the questions are only multiplied in the next uh, episode as opposed to answering these because I'll suggest that this is even more complicated because let's say either those are the case. Let's say the first chance was what actually happened. And this is just them kind of showing that no matter what happens, they're going to end up what happened. Fine. Or if it's the second, and they at least got to redeem themselves before they died, fine. But in the next episode, they start interacting with real people and are out in the world. But they're dead. And I don't know how that jives at all. Or
1: are they? Because they got their second chance, right? So now they're kind of
0: alive? Yeah, but Everyone that they would have known would know them as dead, right? Yeah, it's
1: it's a good, it's a very, it's a very good question. And let's move on to the second episode. Okay. But I just want to note that at the end of, after what feels like the end of this episode where they like get the comeuppance of the toxic waste boss, there is another ending where a young woman walks into the cafe and asks if they're open. And Frank's just like, oh, yeah. and and
0: uh, Faye goes, I'm so jealous. Yeah. And it cuts to credit. <laughs> and that's what we've learned about both our characters. She's going to be a- a jealous of him because he loves ladies. And all that's going to walk through those doors are ladies, ladies. yeah. Which brings us to episode two, Dying Well is the Best Revenge. What's up, Doc? You think maybe he's jealous?
1: Of what? Nothing I can do given my present situation. Oh, contraire, mon cher. The cafe has given you a second chance. You may uh, interact with anyone that comes in. Anyway, you choose. Interact? Yeah. With Angela in this case, if she's willing. <clears throat> when Frank gets involved with a married woman whose husband is very possessive, Faye worries for
0: his safety. And that is courtesy again of Michael Hoffman. Well, thanks, Michael. We start up uh, and we see in episode two, I think, um, the slight different things from the pilot is, one, we have a different opening, which is very, very reminiscent of The Twilight Zone. Very, I said the same thing. Even the font looks similar to like eyeballs floating in space. And and it's just, it's very much There's like the Twilight Zone. Egyptian hieroglyphics everywhere. Yeah. And we also get a bit of a recap of the first episode. And then also old Freddy Cougar, whatever his character's name is, him getting to basically bring the viewer up to speed. If you missed the first episode, what's going to happen every episode, basically. Did you, did you like how he, he closed off his monologue? How did he do it?
1: At the end of it, he says touch that remote and you die oh that's
0: right that's right yeah yeah
1: well i can't change channel now
0: (laughs) well it also makes you think like i think partially because of his involvement and also because of stuff like that you're like oh this is gonna be a horror it's not a horror
1: no it's 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 basically a vaguely darker touched by an angel
0: (laughs) that's what they should have sold it
1: in this one a, a husband and wife angela and edward drive out to the old industrial docks where the cafe lives Everyone's just coming to these docks. Did you recognize who she was? I recognized her face immediately, and I had to look it up. But uh, I, I, this is what
0: I was like, oh, that's Tasha Yar's sister yeah. from Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. Beth, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Toussaint, I think. But I'll tell you what, one interesting thing about her uh, before we get to the episode. This whole episode, she's going to be making out with uh, uh, Frank the whole time. Just spoilers ahead. They actually got married in real life and are still married.
1: Really? She's married to Frank?
0: Yeah. They got married, weirdly... Four years later in 1996 they got married and they're still married
1: you know what this makes me feel a lot better about this episode
0: yeah because <laughs> it gets real porny real quick and just sticks in that drive well it just
1: makes me think that at least somewhere out there there are two people
0: who this episode mattered to <laughs> Yeah, that's right. They play. They play it like people look at family out. Al- uh, you know, family pictures and albums. Uh, they just they put on like, hey, you ever want to see an old episode of Nightmare Cafe? And everyone says no. Please, for the love of God, no. No one wants to see it.
1: I can imagine w- uh, sitting around watching it with your wife, just laughing it up. Like, look at this terrible episode that we had. This meat cute on. And they're just like having a good laugh at. Yeah, it. they're like,
0: look how thin we were. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> well, come on. You're the same size you were from 1992. Pretty much. No. Your calves are much bigger. Your biceps are much bigger. I mean, I've I've got a little more swole, but... <laughs> All
1: right. Angela and Edward, the husband and wife, they're out there on the docks. They've come out for, I don't know, a romantic drive. I'm not really sure. They get in a fight about whether or not she's cheating on him. And when that gets a little heated, she's just like, oh, I'm going to grab a cup of coffee over at that nightmare cafe.
0: What I like is she basically goes, they're fighting. She's complaining that he's not romantic enough. He's complaining that she's been cheating on him. And then she goes, let's go to the cafe and get a cup of coffee. He's like, I'm not going in there. I'll wait for you. <laughs> and I was like, wow, he's really taking a stand. It's a cup of coffee, man. Get out of the car. Um, she enters and Frank's there building like a card castle or something. And he sees a woman. She's got two legs, two arms, two eyes. He's like, I'm in, and I'm going to hit go hard. I don't know anything about her. I don't know her situation, her personality. I'm, I'm hitting on her hard. Yeah, I mean, Faye calls him a dog in heat, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, f- several times in this episode.
1: So, like, he's just flirting it up with her, like, nonstop, asking her all these questions about, like, her mean husband and why she's here alone. And he's like, "What if you could have anything, what would you want? And she's just like, oh, I just wish... My husband would love me and that he'd never leave me. Yeah. But outside, something's happening.
0: <laughs> One thing I want to note real quick. She also is smoking in the cafe. And it's it seems so bizarre to see this in 2020. Someone just smoking casually in a restaurant. But um, what's happening outside is Edward gets out of the car. And it looks like very quickly he's mugged. And he gets in a fight with the guy. And the guy has a knife. And you kind of see the struggle. It's hard to tell what's happening. But it looks like the guy stabs him. But what we find is... He pulled the knife out and sort of cut uh, uh, Edward's arm in the struggle and then and then runs away.
1: Yeah, there, it, it, yeah, it's really hard to see. Like basically something, he gets stabbed clearly, we know that much, and the guy runs away. And then we cut back in the cafe, Frank's still hitting on his wife. Yeah. Edward stumbles in, bleeding into the cafe, and they're like, oh my god, are you okay? Should we call an ambulance? He's just like, ah, I'm fine, I'll walk it off, don't worry about yeah. it. I just need to get my wife, I need to get out of here. And they leave. And then we cut to 24 hours later... And Frank is still in that cafe
0: talking about that wife. (laughs) Yeah, she literally says like, that was yesterday. Now, (laughs) before we get to that, Luke, time passes normally in the cafe. That's what we're learning. There's day, there's night. They know the time. Because I assumed they're sort of in a nexus of time that people come and go, but they just stay the same. But that doesn't seem to be the case, right? They may be stuck in limbo and maybe dead, but they still know what day of the week it is
1: yeah it's a good question i guess they have to i mean i guess maybe when the cafe is not shuffling around the world it is just
0: staying in one place living through regular time i guess that's just a question for uh, anyone but uh but they the clearly time has passed because he's still pining about her her character trait for the episode is i'm jealous because i also like frank because he's such a catch um and my favorite part about this though is what's his name? old freddie cougar's sitting there he has nothing to do i think he's just reading the newspaper blackie this Yeah, Blackie, and he sees that uh, Frank's really into this lady, and he's really, really trying to egg him on, be like, don't you want to nail this woman? And at at one point he says to her, he's like, you can almost see him quoting the words, he's like, just so you know, you can interact with anyone that comes into the cafe, and I mean anyone, and I mean anything, anywhere. It's true. I'm surprised that you don't, I'm
1: surprised that you think he was reading a newspaper, you don't remember what he was really doing. What was he doing? When they cut to Blackie, who's standing there watching Faye cut vegetables, he's holding a carrot in his mouth like Bugs Bunny <laughs> and says, what's up, doc, to the camera. I
0: forgot. That's right. And it was one of those things where <laughs> she's uh, there's a couple things that are funny. First, this poor woman in her afterlife still has to work as <laughs> as a waitress and she still has to like prepare soup and stuff. You would think that it would just be magically done like when they arrived there was just stuff that's done for them. But no, this poor woman still has to clean and make the food and serve the food. And then secondly, they're like, you know it'd be hilarious. What if she's cutting carrots and he's holding carrots and does that famous line, "What's up, doc?" Anyways, it it was it was really enjoyable uh and uh, I hope there's more of that.
1: <laughs> but Frank
0: basically is like, all right, well, I guess I
1: can go interact with her anywhere I like. That's great. He leaves. The phone rings. Faye picks it up. And there's some guy on their side saying, Hey, did you guys see any trouble last night at the old cafe? And Faye's like, Yeah, some guy got stabbed. She's like, Well, why don't you meet me at
0: the corner of this street and that avenue? And I'll tell you all about it. And she's like, I definitely will. That sounds like a great idea. And now, again, they can leave the cafe. I'll make that, I couldn't stress that enough again. They can leave the cafe apparently at any time. So they're choosing to be here. Yeah, they're choosing to be there because why don't they just
1: go home if they can just leave? I I have no idea. She goes to the corner to meet this guy.
0: He sees her. He's like, hey, it's me. He starts walking across the road and a car runs him down. And it is clear that it's not an accident that this person was trying to hit him. Yeah, she goes over. He's dead. He's dead. The only information she gets is he works at a country
1: club and his name is Darren. Yeah, Darren, who works at Bay Vista. Bay Vista. Yeah. (laughs) At the coffee shop while this is happening, the coffee shop, the cafe while this is happening, Angela, the wife, drops back in to pick up her cigarette case
0: and also flirted up with Frank a little more. Frank, please, maybe don't hit on the clearly abused woman. Like this scene, we see that she's got not quite a black eye, but she's got a bruise on her face. She has a bad excuse for it. It seems quite clear that she's been hit by her husband. And his thought is not, oh, Jesus, a terrible relationship. Maybe I can help. It's, I think I can get in there. He he literally says, let me
1: take you home. And then they go to her house and have drinks. Yeah, that's the how she shares with her husband.
0: I noticed they drove a very sexy red Porsche. Is that his or hers? Because he's driving.
1: It's hers. I also thought the cafe gave him a nice car, but then I realized <laughs> her, it was her car. Yeah. So she's just like, a lady doesn't drive. They're having drinks, scotch whiskey at her place. She's all nervous. She's hearing things. She's a little, she's very freaked out. Frank kind of leans in. Maybe they're going to kiss. Maybe they're not. And she's like, no, we can't. So Frank proceeds to start groping her. Yeah, real hard. Real hard. Like, And while this is all happening, Blackie and Faye are back at the diner watching, watching it, on it on all on the TV. Yeah.
0: Now, didn't you think, it, we were watching this, and I thought, I was kind of surprised how much they could show on TV. Like, clearly you're not going to see any nudity or anything like that, but this was seemed pretty steamy for 1992. It is, I wrote that down too, I'm just like, this is softcore
1: music, softcore lighting, like, other than the lack of nudity, I, I feel like maybe this is where the show's headed, like, you know... 92. That's
0: probably the era of the erotic thriller. Yeah, it very much has a feeling. You're right, and like the saxophone in this is so ever present to the point where, if you watch it now, like it just seems like a parody of that sort of thing. Like it's so on the nose. It did feel like weirdly a parody. Um, the the TV cuts out at this point
1: because, as Blackie puts it, I guess we don't get the X-rated channel. Yeah. <laughs> And the husband, Edward, storms into the cafe looking for Frank. He he wants to warn Frank about something. He's to stay away from Angela or he'll get hurt. And Faye's like, hey, you know about this dead tennis pro I saw hit before him? He's just like, well, maybe. And he just runs out. Like, he's there for a hot second to threaten Frank and imply he might know the tennis pro. Mm-hmm. Basically to set him up as the villain. Yeah. And then he drives back to his house. It
0: just gives him enough time to start having sex, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, they give him that much time. He shows up, comes in, notices there are two drinks in the house. Angela comes downstairs and starts being like, no, nobody's here. I don't know what you're talking about. Faye uses the magical cafe doors to rescue Frank so he can get out of the bedroom.
0: Yeah, she she suddenly appears in the bedroom and then gets him out by going back to the door. But again, it's like, I'm fine if they can control the doors, but it doesn't seem like they can all the time.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean Faye seems to have more control of them over Frank, that's for sure.
0: Well he has different she's trying to maybe learn how the cafe works and he's trying to get laid. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. He's she's solving mysteries. He's just like, oh, is there another lady <laughs> gonna walk through the door or what? He just keeps showing up at like like women's shelters, is like anyone else being abused? He really. that's true. He really does like it when they're damaged. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really
1: horrible. <laughs> and like they bring him back to the cafe and Frank is very nonchalant about a the threat that Edward just made, mm-hmm. and B, they're less like, "Hey, why are you committing adultery?" And he's just like, "Eh, who
0: cares? Adultery is cool." This is while he plays Fever on the jukebox, and he's just like chill, and he's like, "Yeah, big deal. I'm, I'm cool." And I guess this is the next morning because
1: while they're, while this is happening, the husband Edward walks back into the cafe one more time mm-hmm. and says, "Frank, we need to talk." They have a secret conversation away from the viewer on the docks that we're not allowed to hear mm-hmm. and then frank comes back in he's really freaked out and he says oh i wish i hadn't left
0: angela alone uh-oh he said the words he said wish jordan yeah and so he suddenly appears in, in a puff of smoke in a puff of smoke in uh, some sort of shower changing room-esque sort of room with women all around very much like that gemini man scene we watched where the women start screaming because there's a fully clothed man in the in the change room with them. Except for one yes. woman who's very into it.
1: That's the one thing I was going to say is they're screaming. They're all naked. They're yelling at him to get out. And as he's walking out, one woman stops him and says, hey, who are you looking for? And she's like, uh, uh, this woman, Angela. And she's just like, oh, why does she get all the good, men?" I'm like, what the fuck is happening? here?" <laughs> I know
0: it was. Yeah, it's, that, that's her character. She's just like, oh, I, I lose out again. All the guys who come into the into the change room are creeps. Why can't I just find a nice guy in the change room?
1: Why why can't I get one of these creeps? I want Angela.
0: <laughs> and but what we do find is, as he leaves a locker room, change room, whatever it is, he it's in the Vista Club that we've that we've yes. seen before. He's in this country club. He
1: finds Faye immediately. They have a conversation and basically agree. Hey, you need to leave your house tonight. I'll come by. You pack your stuff. I'll get you, and you're going to get out of there. We're getting you out of that house tonight. That's what's happening.
0: And can I mention one thing? She's wearing awesome early 90s workout gear through this whole conversation.
1: Oh, you're a big fan of that costume?
0: It's just such a timestamp. It's great. Faye, meanwhile, uses the doors again
1: to herself go to the country club. I think she wants to talk to Frank, maybe. But what she ends up doing is listening to women at the country club gossip about the
0: dead tennis
1: player tennis coach
0: yeah so there's a tennis coach at the club he's the i guess tennis pro it's darren who died the women gossiping basically say not only has darren been a guy who's basically slept with all the women there that's what he liked he liked the danger angela it's also well known is someone who has been doing that having multiple affairs quite open about them and they think she's really the bad person in this and that she is she but I think they imply correct if I'm wrong Luke that she knows that her husband has a temper and she purposely has these affairs so that he will attack the men is that what they imply something like that yeah like that's kind of like the it's such a weird gossip session they're just like can you
1: believe Angela is sleeping with the tennis pro and the woman's like I'm sleeping with a tennis pro too yeah and no one seems very sad that he's died I should I mention no one seems sad at all they're just like well, he was a bit dumb, but at least he had a big dick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a line in the in the script.
0: I was just like, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not to mention his backhand. What's that? Not to mention his backhand. Tennis. His ground stroke. Uh-huh. Anyway, let's move on from the tennis club.
1: Angela goes back to her house. She's packing her things, getting ready to leave. Her husband, Edward, comes home, catches her, asks where she's going. She says she's going to spend the night at the, t- at the country club. Are you even allowed
0: to do that? I thought the same it thing. It doesn't matter. I know. It's, it's so funny when you're watching a show that's about magic and science fiction and fantasy, but you get stuck up on these very small things. You're like, wait a minute. You can't stay overnight at a country club. Where's she going to stay? In the locker room?
1: <laughs> that's, that's all I thought as well. Frank arrives, he hears them arguing outside, so he smashes a window to get inside, the home alarm system goes off, Frank goes and digs around in Edward's desk and finds his gun, and then we're, like, basically headed toward a confrontation between Frank and Edward over his wife.
0: The character of Edward, I didn't know what they were really going for. Is he supposed to be sort of like a New York tough guy? Was that what they were going for? They keep implying that he might be a gangster? But yeah. it's never clear that he has done anything criminal. Other than he kind of sounds like he's from a 1940s gangster movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, he might be a jerk is the most we know about him. <laughs> yeah. They have this confrontation in the like front lobby and Faye's just like, he's never going to let me leave. And Edward's like, you fool. She's just using you to kill me to get my money. And then
0: Frank shoots him in the chest. It's a weird scene because she's basically like, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. And at this point, even as a viewer, you're like, this seems sketchy. This his story now holds up more than hers does. And you're like, I guess he's not going to shoot the guy. But first he shoots him in the arm and the guy's like, ah, geez. And then they like look at him. He's like, I guess I'll shoot him in the chest, too. He shoots him in the chest and kills him.
1: I mean, at this point, I think we're all on board with the idea. This is just some sort of honey trap she set up to kill her husband. Yeah. Frank does it. She's just like, all right, let's wrap the body up in a carpet. We'll put in the trunk of this car. And as they, like, they load him into the trunk of a car, Angela, the wife, is just like, all right, come here, Frank, for one last kiss. She turns around and pulls the gun to shoot Frank. But he's disappeared back to the cafe, I guess? Because that's why. Sure. So she's just like, well, that's weird. That man I had murdered my husband is gone. But I guess I better hit the road. She goes to start the car, but the trunk won't stay closed. She goes to see why the trunk won't stay closed. And of course, her husband's a zombie now.
0: Yeah, he pops out. He he basically is like, I want to stay with you ever, no matter what. And she keeps shooting him and he won't seem to die. Then finally he does. And just as she finally kills him, the police show up. uh, Seemingly because of the, you know, multiple gunshots on the street.
1: Yeah, we'll just assume because of the multiple gunshots on the street. She's arrested for his murder. We cut back to the cafe and
0: there, the gang's just watching it all on TV. Do you love her defense though? When the cops arrest her, she's shooting him in the street. Then she's and her defense is not that she didn't shoot him. She's like, well, he was already dead. <laughs> That's true. He was already dead. It's not her fault. Yeah, it's not. No, it's, it's also if there's a dead body, you could do what you want to it. There's not a big deal. Yeah, you can shoot a dead body as much as you like. Like, yeah. <laughs> what else do you do with a Saturday afternoon? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah she goes to jail we cut back to the the cafe the the gang's all watching this happen on the tv they're like oh look at that uh, i guess we got her um frank reveals that the secret conversation he and the husband edward had in the dock were that when he was stabbed that night before whenever it was he died on the dock but because she wished that her husband would love her and never leave her he
0: came back to life to do that ironic zombie punishment, I guess. She made the mistake of wishing for something in the cafe. The cafe, in its apparent seeming sense of humor or nefarious twist, uh, took it quite literally. So no matter what she does, he's never going to die. He's always going to stay with her. And and by the way, this is now going to take like three more little scenes to really nail that point home.
1: I know. And it's so funny, too, because like now Faye and Frank seem to be like on the side of the husband, like as if they always were good buddies with him. Yeah. And they teleport into the ambulance carrying his body where they take the blanket off his face and have a conversation with the dead body. And he, they're just like, like they're old pals.
0: And I, and I like that he's like, yeah, at first it was weird, but I'm kind of getting used to uh being dead. And they have a conversation. They leave really quick, basically like, yeah, oh, well done. And I remember thinking at this point, because I didn't realize the episode was still going to keep going. I thought, well, this has left things weird. Is he just going to live as this immortal now in the world? But don't worry, we have at least one more scene before we finish. I thought the same thing. I was just like, so this guy isn't, ju- this isn't just the ironic
1: comeuppance. He's going to be alive forever now. And I was just like, is he going to come hang out with them now? Because they seem
0: to be friendly with him. Exactly. They almost set it up like he's now going to be like the cook at the place. And and for a moment, I thought, that's what this show's going to do Every six- for every episode. They're going to add another character that becomes a recurring character. But- don't worry, they're not.
1: No, uh, we then cut to Angela. She's in a prison cell now. I guess she's already been tried for her crimes. And Edwards appears outside the door, outside of the bars, to
0: talk to her. And he's just like, "My wife, I love you. You missed my cremation." But there's a couple things we've learned about him. He's well. He's all in shadows, so you, you kind of get the sense he's gross looking. But he's also magically has the ability to go through bars. I guess he's a ghost
1: or not. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, there's a lot of questions that come up here because she's been incarcerated now. Who knows for how long? There's been enough time for him to be cremated and have a funeral. So at least a few weeks. He's able to transit through bars without opening the doors. He can just step through them. And like cremation does, it has just made him a badly burned corpse. That's what cremation does, right? Yeah. You just get really burnt really badly and then they bury that burnt body?
0: What you're hoping to do is to punish your loved one as much as possible. Again, who cares what you do to a dead body? Am I right? Well, when they said he's cremated, I'm just like, so you should be a pile of ash that's coming to yeah, visit her. then. I know. So the whole point is that it's a gross reveal. He shows up in, in the jail cell and of course the wish he has made is forever. And so he will stay with her forever. And he, and he, for some reason now, is taking a sick joy about it. I don't know why he wants to spend time with this woman who's essentially killed him, but he's just like, guess what? We're going to spend all our time together. And so she starts screaming, and that's basically how that part ends. But I got a question for you. Can anyone see him? Like, is he just in this cell with her now? I had that same question because everyone can see him up till that moment. So why
1: is he now invisible to everyone?
0: Yeah, it just is like they have these scenes that they want to do. And I'm not even saying it's like a bad idea. Like, great. It's a real uh, straightforward moral tale. I get it. But it's just like, but did no one stop and ask any of these questions?
1: I had all those same questions. It was so weird it was so weird but that's how it wraps up basically she gets her comeuppance and the nightmare cafe one that's one
0: of the major issues i don't know is the show supposed to be that these characters in the cafe always are going to write wrongs or is it that they're going to stop people getting involved in things they shouldn't have because they keep saying it's about second chances but i'm like but this people these people didn't get a second chance no this was yeah this was a punishment yeah, so it's like, uh, I guess we'll find out in the next couple episodes. But it's like, uh, guys, this doesn't seem like it's thought out very well. No. Well, you want to get into any final notes you have? I have a bunch of questions, but I think they'll probably just continue as we go through the series. I'm really looking forward to uh, the cafe transporting to somewhere else for no reason. I would like to take a moment to highlight my favorite commercials. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That, as we mentioned, we got to watch a whole lot of commercials through through watching these files. I watched
1: all the commercial breaks, and it, they were the highlight for me. So mm-hmm. here here were my favorite ones. There was a, another erotic TV movie they were advertising called The Night Man." Oh, and they were
0: really selling the eroticism of it, huh? Yeah, a man has sex with a mother and her daughter. I didn't look it up, but I think the two people were Joanna Kearns and uh, Penelope Ann Miller. I think that's who was in the movie. Someone look it up for me. I liked the uh,
1: Fresh Prince and Good Morning America pair that was going to make America safe to laugh again. <laughs> they also had a Fresh Prince Blossom Hour. They did. I liked the Norman Lear television sitcom I'd never heard of called The Powers That Be about a senator and his family in which you see the senator's wife slap their maid.
0: Yeah, that that did not look very good. David Hyde Pierce was in it, though, so I was interested. It's funny how many of these commercials you see actors that you uh, clearly would become... Uh, uh, more famous as time going on. But, uh, you know, like uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in a Pop-Tart commercial. Yeah, I know. I have that noted here. I was like, that's
1: 10-year-old Joseph Gordon-Levitt in a Pop-Tart commercial. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. What else? There was the Regu commercial where they
0: sang the I Feel Like Chicken Tonight song. I love uh, that. Ah, yes. I remember singing that with friends, which is such a weird uh, way that advertising got into us. But that was real fun to do for some reason.
1: You do the chicken dance? It's great. Y-
0: yeah, yeah. I like the Playtex
1: tampons commercial that
0: had the tagline, it's not your mother's tampon. Yeah, this isn't your old-fashioned kind of tampon. This is for a new generation.
1: And finally, this one particular teaser for the Bakersfield, California news program that evening that said, Mother says she's being unfairly thrown out of her apartment
0: after being shot in the face. (laughs) I knew you were going to pick that one. And they just said it so nonchalantly. and I was like... Yeah, she shouldn't get thrown out of her place. She got shot in the
1: face. That's terrible. It was such a turn, too. It's just like, she's mad for being thrown in of apartment. I'm like, yeah, okay, for being shot in the face. I was like, pardon me? <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
0: I could go on and on about those commercials. I'm really hoping the next couple episodes also have them, because it's, it, ma- it makes the, watching, uh, 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 the time we have to spend watching these go much longer, but it also is a real nice uh, breather in between this bad show.
1: It's true. I do feel the same way. I'm like, ah, oh, the show's an hour long now. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the commercial break. <laughs>
0: I want to see what the 92 Ford Taurus look like. I know. Don't all those cars look terrible? <laughs> they all look terrible. Every single day, They're like, check out the sexy new lines of this station wagon. I'm like, it looks terrible. It's like a box with wheels on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's do some, uh, let's some ratings.
1: All right. What do you want to give the first episode Nightmare Cafe? I'm
0: going to give him a little bit of leeway because... It's a pilot and they got to set some stuff up. It's also a terrible episode of television. 4.5.
1: 4.5. Yeah. I mean, I was also going to give it like a right down the middle five. But then the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, this is so bad. It's really bad. bad. I'm going to give it a four, I think.
0: What do you want to give the next episode?
1: Dying well is the best revenge? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's worse than the
0: first episode, right? It is. It is. I agree. I agree. If you take out the scenes of them all porny kissing, you got about a 5 minute episode. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing too I would say about that is like the porny stuff isn't even very titillating. So you're not even getting anything out of that. It's gross. The whole episode's gross. And personally, I'm only going to go down a little bit and I'll tell you why. I only have so far to go down before the end of the, the end of the series. So I'm only going to go down to a 4. It's getting extra credit just because there's only 6 episodes.
1: Yeah, I'm giving it a three, and I think that still might be high, but I'm worried that it's going to go lower, so I need to, I need to leave some room
0: for it to crash further. Exactly, yeah. There's no way episodes uh, three and four are going to be much better, but uh, you never know.
1: I mean, it's a rough start, that's for sure.
0: But who knows? You never know. You have to be optimistic. Maybe it's going to take a turn. Maybe it's going to find its legs. Maybe uh, it's going to be some real satire or real sort of moral tales even if it just got silly yeah they played with it being like a cartoon at one point i'm like just go for it then guys if that's your thing yeah it's a bad sign for the
1: show i think it's maybe a sign of the times it's living in a little bit like it's yeah. trying to
0: do a few things that it's not
1: very good at uh, i don't know anyway if you have anything to say about nightmare cafe you can email us here at continue drag the emails. is continue drag at gmail.com instagram and twitter We'll find some doors opening, some people falling off docks, some <laughs> men jumping out of sinks. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's lots of stuff. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Continuum Drag. But that it's it. That wraps it up for the first two episodes of Nightmare Cafe. I am terrified of what's to come. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for joining us, listener. And Jordan, talk to you next week.
0: Touch that remote and you die.
1: Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rexedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.